One time my cousin Walter got a cat stuck in his ass. True story. He bought it at the local mall, so the whole fiasco wound up on the news. It was embarrassing for my relatives and all, but the next week he did it again. Different cat, same result. Complete with a trip to the emergency room. Then last week, I saw him at the pet store. He was buying another cat. I said, Walt, what the hell are you doing? Why don't you just... You know you're just going to get this cat stuck up your ass too. Why don't you just knock it off? But he says to me, Brody, how the hell else am I... Fuck me. How else am I supposed to get the gerbil out? My cousin was a weird guy. <laughs> now you can play the theme song. No more takes! <laughs> you can actually put the theme song there, though, I think. <laughs> And then after the theme song took place, I would say... Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only fake school specialising in comics, cartoons, video games, and movies. I am your host, Toby DePola, and joining me is producer Kyle. Against your better judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a pretty retrospective week or two for me, so feel free to tap that skip ahead button a couple times, but at least I'm not talking about Raid Shadow Legends or Casper Mattresses or Blue Apron. It's, yeah, so I've been playing Gotham Knights, and that had me going back through all the Arkham games again. Um, we mentioned that last episode. Arkham Asylum was my gateway drug into the nerd realm. However, I was not flaunting it. I was kind of ashamed back then. You know, the, the only comic book fans I knew of that you would see just around were, like, the big fat comic book guy asshole on The Simpsons, mm. and those unfunny tool bags on The Big Bang Theory. Mm. Neither of these examples were great representations, nor people I wanted to emulate. So, much like Batman, who I was now under the wing of, I would hide my secret identity, while in my spare time trying to learn and understand all I could. This led me to a podcast called Fat Man on Batman. And I wasn't a film nerd either, so I didn't know who Kevin Smith was. Mm. But when it clicked, I was like, oh, he's the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back guy. I mean, that's most people's starting point. Mm. Um, so I'd seen that movie, but with no context. And frankly, it's better that way. And I've kind of ruined it for myself now that I get the jokes. Yeah. There's something beautifully chaotic about a movie that hard cuts to Ben Affleck on a couch just saying, nights like this, I miss dating a lesbian. And then the movie continues. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen Chasing Amy, it's not as funny. I haven't seen Chasing Amy. It's still funny. See, that's what I mean. It's a better bit. <laughs> Chaos reigns, baby. But um, after learning that, I went back and rewatched that movie, and then etc. etc. I, I learned that that Jay and Silent Bob were characters that featured in all the movies in something called the Viewer Skew Universe. Mm. You were skewed. I think it's called the... Yeah, fuck it. I'm not going to be able to get that tongue twisted together. Skewniverse? Something like that. So before Marvel made those compulsory, this was new and exciting for me. Mm. You know, back in those days, before... The, but not everyone was doing universes. I was mostly thinking of the Dark Universe. <laughs> Remember that amazing one? They tried. <laughs> they failed miserably. Oh, yeah. Um... So, this long and personal and probably boring story ends with me seeing a character named Brody in a movie called Mallrats. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts about the film before we go into it? It's, it's a fun one. Hmm? It's a bit of a cultural zygote. Zygote, yeah. Yeah. Alright, so, saving some details here for podcasts we do about Clerks or the Viewerskew franchise as a whole or something... But Clerks was an indie film made by Kevin Smith. It had a super small budget, black and white movie, and it was just about being Clerks. You know, it was based on slackers, I think. Um, And it came out in 1994 and was a massive success. After this massive success, a producer named James Jex approached Kevin for a follow-up movie um, that that would become the best Easter film to date. Dogma? No, this is an Easter film. Really? Yeah. There's an Easter bunny in it. Oh, there is. Right? So that, that this is better than Hops. Then a third example. I mean, yeah. Are there any good Easter movies? I'm trying to think here because Batman Returns is a good Christmas movie. Batman Forever is a good Halloween movie. 
if there's an Easter Batman film, I haven't noticed it yet. Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Well, are you ready to jump back into this movie in stunning, not widescreen? Oh, my favourite. That was a jarring thing. I don't normally give a shit about widescreen, but apparently it's been a while. So, so I'm like, wow, so much of my TV is just not doing anything right now. I, I love when you delve into, like, other aspect ratios and you're just like, what is this? Yeah. Because that used to be what you were used to. And now to go back to it, you're like, why? Well, it's a big square. I know. So the movie opens with shots of the movie's mall. Uh, normal stores and food court stuff, but at the same time, stores like Burning Flesh Tanning Salon and Rudd Munch's Carpet Outlet are just, like, squeezed in there as well. Of course, you have to have a smattering. But I also like the simplicity of of some of their fake stores, like Popular Girl and Fashionable Male. Oh, those are good. Yep. So these shots are shown while the narration I already ripped off plays. I didn't do a great job. Sorry about that. Um, it's all based on the movie, but... Oh, it's all based on the movie, but, like, sorry. Um, these aren't real ones, is what I'm trying to say. Hmm. When the when it does, like, its title credits, it has, like, fake comic book panels based on this movie. Yeah. Um, and I love those. Because it's not a comic book, comic book movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like when movies you briefly would have, like, the comics that were based on shown at the start of the film. Marvel doesn't even do that anymore. Mm. Like, the page turning on the old, like, Marvel Studios thing got replaced by live-action ones because they're ashamed of their heritage. Yeah. And the other, the only other movies I can think of that actually did a dedicated job were, like, this, Jonah Hex and Tank Girl. So, so yeah, I can I understand think, I think why they've been phased out. It might be a bit of a bad I mean, omen. The, they've kind of brought them back a little bit with, like, the opening role to spell Marvel and DC. Nah. Not no, the same. No, because Marvel does different. live action and DC have, like, weird CGI ones that kind of taste like an ad for Movie World. Yeah, I feel that. There's something... I think they're cheap on purpose because they didn't have casts organised when they built it. So it's all kind of vague on purpose. Um... I just I I like those sort of movies and I just I love the mental image that I'd created for myself while researching this. If movies still did that, yeah. Because to open Matt Reeves' Batman movie with a bunch of spandex Riddler pictures would just be like that would be a big balls move. It would be. It would be. You have to give it to them though, like if they did. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Just imagine. You'd have to take my DVD of that film and just, like, edit it slightly so it's got that in it now. Yeah, the only, like, person editing a film to, like, really mess with people is... The Toy Story always guy. always be Toy Story guy. You want to do that story? Um, he, he let his mum watch Toy Story once it was, like, on DVD. And he cut the film so that it rolled to credits as they go in the incinerator. Hmm. And he left his mom believing that was the end of the series. Yeah, that's good. Because they'd grown up watching one and two together, and then there was that huge pause before three. And then he's like, look, I got the third one, we can watch it together. And he'd fucked with it, so they all die at the end. Frankly, better than going to four. Eh. I'm not wrong. No, no. It's a tasteful ending than four. I like having Which put, like, half of them in carnival. Nah, the spork ain't working. So, after um, the opening credits and stuff, the action movie starts with a guy named T.S. Quint and his love interest, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Okay, T.S. is played by Jeremy London and Brandy's played by Claire Forlani, uh, who I thought was in Tank Girl, but that's someone else. So, see, these two are planning to go to Florida together for a romantic holiday. Um, I say were, and that brings me to a nice clump of exposition, because that's what this movie mostly is. It, it's, it's, it's Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. So. so Brandy's dad, played by Michael Rooker, you know, Mary Poppins. Oh, he's. Yeah. I was very confused by that when your notes were printing, and I was like, he's not at Mary Poppins. Now I get it. It's the other Mary Poppins. So, yeah, he's hosting... blue Mary Poppins. That's right. He's hosting, like, a dating game show, mm-hmm. and 
his female for for the contestant to that the contestants have to impress um, is a character named Julie Dwyer. T.S. had jokingly like said to her that um, the camera ends ten pounds, which was a stereotype for the most part. Now everything's in widescreen technically. Do you, do you remember that brief period where films was su- like you had to change the aspect ratio because it would like format fit? Yeah. I remember our copy of Fast and Furious 1 doing that, and all the cars were, like, chonked. <laughs> that would have been cute. It's very that, weird. And then, then the people get out of the car, and they're shaped like Roblox characters, and you're like, hmm. I very much remember, like, all of these dating shows being a thing. Mm. Of, like, you have a chick on one side of a wall so she can't see, and then, like, three contestants, and she's got to, like, ask them questions to work out which one she wants to go on a date with. You know what? I've just realised now that you're, like, sort of talking about the genericness of it is that they've sort of come back in that stupid swipe thing that you see clips of on social media where a girl stands there and there's, like, a big phone shape and some asshole comes up and does a pick-up line and she either, like, accepts them to the next round or rejects them. No, that's that's the It's Kore- the same no, basic no, shit, No, no, though. that's the Korean one. It's still dating junk. No, no. This was, like, specific. It was on Channel 7. Hmm. That exact show. No, I bring it up later because a serial killer did one. Nice. <laughs> so, so yeah. So Julie Dwyer started panicking about like looking fat on TV. So she goes to the YMCA and starts doing lap after lap in the pool, and then an embolism pops in her brain and she dies. Rude. Uh huh. Julie's funeral featured in Clerks. Oh, did he put those together? Shared universe, baby. But in the meantime, Brandy has volunteered to help her dad. Whose name I never wrote down, not a single damn time. Just keep referring to him as Mary Bobbins. Okay. Um, so, she's volunteered to be the new game show lady and can't go to the, on this Florida holiday. T.S. flips out about the whole scenario, especially because he was planning to propose to her when Jules pops out of the water during the Universal Tour. And she gets mad that he got mad, and then they bicker themselves into another breakup. Also, that doesn't happen anymore. Nope. So... Now that we have that set up, we meet the other couple, uh, Brody and Renee. Um, Brody was the first time Jason Lee started a movie. Huh. Uh, he might be known as Earl from My Name is Earl and the dude who hangs out with the chipmunks in those fucking movies, but before this he was a pro skater of all things. Yes, I knew this. Mm. Because I married. Yeah. So Renee is played by Shannon Doherty. Um, she plays. Yeah, she plays a Heather. She's Prue in Charm. She's some chick in 90210. I've never seen it. Don't care. So Brody is a basement dwelling video game, comic book, and hockey nerd. Wow, he does a lot. Mm-hmm. Renee is his relatively neglected girlfriend who hides from his mum. Renee is over the scenario, mostly crying about how people out there have meaningful and amazing lives, and she's just stuck here with this dork. Yeah. You can um, you can see that. In the film. In film. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so she breaks up with him. So we've got two boys, we've got no girls, we've got one cup, but that's later. Oh no. Yeah. So T.S. visits Brody and finds him there bagging and boarding his comics. A trivia note here is that the comic collection in that shot is Kevin Smith's. Because he had sold all of his original books to pay for Clerks 1, and with its success, he'd been slowly reacquiring books. Back. Yeah, and that's what they used as set dressing in this one. I mean, if you've got it. You want to show it off, let's be real. Mm. Um, so yeah, Brody thinks she may have dumped him because he like farted during a blowjob, and then he learns that T.S. is single now too, and offers to go with him to get a cookie from the mall to make him feel better. I believe Mary Poppins' name is Jared. They, it's Fennin. They use his last name in the whole movie. Name. Yeah. So, I feel like I physically cannot describe how Kevin Smith dialogue works. It's so quick and descriptive, but at the same time so juvenile and silly. Mm. Like, it's it's great, but it's sort of hard to talk about without just becoming, like, shitty impressions. I, yes, definitely. If you haven't seen a Kevin Smith film, they have a very, like, particular pattern. Mm. They're, they're all... I'm trying to think, because I don't remember, like, Strike Back doing it as much, but might have just been ha- might have just gotten into the flow a bit more by then. I don't know, I think they all do it to a degree. Hmm. Uh, with that said, we cut to the mall. 
worked hard on that. We can do Don't edit it out. I make no promises. All right. So, see, I even wrote it down in my script. do do loo do do That's what that meant. That was the other thing for the question when I was printing these. It's in all capitals. I love the smell of commerce in the morning. Okay, straight into things. Brody wears his iconic weird shirt, and I've heard its design. Is all the headshots of people who auditioned for the role mixed together? Have you have you seen the one where they've taken all of the actors of Batman and watched them together? Them to make Bruce. Yeah, it's not bad. I reckon that's pretty accurate. Hmm. Um, so he's got that weird shirt, um, and his little cup as well. I remember this trivia from old Kevin Smith podcasts. Um, his comic mentor was a guy named Walter Flanagan, who ended up being like the main dude on Comic Book Men when that show was still floating around. Um, Which is Kevin Smith's TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that name gets referenced a bunch in this movie, but one day they made up to go comic hunting back before like eBay and before both of them had a license, so they had to go driving together. Um, and Walt rocks up with a Dixie cup full of Pepsi, and they go out all day to get their books, do their thing. You know how it is. Yeah. I always call it an expedition. I call it adventuring. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, and when Kev drops Walt off at his house, he still has his little Dixie cup with a little Pepsi in it. Um, I don't know why that was important for me to say, but there you go. That's why it's in this film. If the, if <laughs> the, the comic nerd Kevin Smith used to know sometimes had a cup, so it was important that Brody also had one to carry around as well. Um, I think there's weirder things that this guy's done, so... The movie's 50% inside jokes. That's why it's weird. Um, So the boys also cross paths with Shannon, the guy who works at Fashionable Mail. Shannon is played... Oh, hates Brody very much, and he's played by Ben Affleck, a relatively unknown actor at the time. Hmm. You don't know? I feel like Ben was a little popular. I don't know if he was in 95... Well, while you do some checking around, uh, as Brody dismisses the Shannon stuff and tries to get Tess to stop pining for his lost love, uh, they find a giant stage being set up in the big area the mall's always having them for shit like this. It's where Santa does the photos, you know? That's it, yeah. I was going to say, ours is usually empty. Alright, so Brody wants answers as to what it's there for, so the boys go and talk to a character named Willem. Willem is played by Ethan Suplee, which is funny to me because he would go on to be the brother from My Name is Earl. Oh, yes. That's true. So I we, didn't like that show. I, I remember... You know what? I remember giving it a pass because it had um that Presley lady in it. Who used to be um Margot Robbie, but just like the previous generation Margot Robbie. Yeah. That's why they're visually identical. So at any rate, well... Um, he has been at the mall all day and intends to stay there until he can see the little image in the magic eye poster. Do you remember those? Yes. Not we much. had the books. Not really much of a thing anymore, as far as I can tell. Optical illusions are kind of going out, I suppose. Yeah. I love that he bought a bag lunch. Like, he's so committed. And maybe colorblind or something. <laughs> he's having a real tough time with it. Um, so, he's been nearby, though, so he knows that the stage is for Truth or Date, the game show that Brandy's dad, uh, Mr. Spenny, is in charge of. So, T.S. wants it sabotaged so Brandy can go with him to Florida and work things out. And Brody wants it gone just because it's in his damn mall without his permission. Yeah. So, territorial little immature man. That's true. Yeah. And with that, enter the morons of mayhem, the stoners of sabotage, Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> you like that alliteration? Um, how do you feel about these characters? Off the cuff. I love Jay and Silent Bob. They're so charming. Silent Bob just has a way with words, you know? Yeah, like the sentence he gets every film. (laughs) He's he's so captivating in that one moment. What what was his original first line? Most girlfriends don't make you lasagna normally, they just, like, cheat on yours. (laughs) Something like that. None of them are great lines. Oh, they're fine. I'm pretty sure this one's a Star Wars quote. So they are found at, by the pet store looking at kittens. Jay's sort of dancing around, doing Jay shit. Jason Mewes playing himself for the most part. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think he has a character. I think it's just... They tried to recast him in this. Hey, you need to turn up so that we can make sure that you wake up in the morning. Yeah. So he, he played Jay in Clerks, obviously. But now this is a film with a budget. 
So the executives are like, well, we could hire like a person for this character, for this role. And Kevin Smith's like, I don't, I don't know. I like having my, I like having Jay there because we're buddies anyway. It's good chemistry. And they tried to replace him with uh, Seth Green. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> or that would not have worked well. Luckily, no one's auditions were as like natural as Jay's. That's because it's already f- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine Scotty from Austin Powers in this film? Oh no, because this is the time when he was on Buffy. Mm. No. <laughs> no. I think that would change the dynamic of the entire viewers universe if that yeah. actually Yeah, isn't that weird? Upsetting. Ew. So um so uh, Silent Bob is there played by Kevin Smith. Um, he's trying to use the Force to move a c- his cigarette because he watched quote-unquote Empire of the Jedi for legal reasons. Brody explains they need the game show um, taken down, and Jay says they were going to destroy the stage anyway just because... Which fits. Yeah. Their only obstacle is a character named LaForce, who I'm pretty sure I forgot to uh, cast. He is the most pretty. Yeah, an infamous security guard with 460 collars, all convicted, and supposedly two confirmed kills. Makes sense. Yep. I love the chaos of just the dialogue here, I really do. Jay and Silent Bob have to outsmart LaForce, X-Men style, and Brody, Brody responds to them, he's like, shall I call you Logan Weapon X? You know, quoting X-Men shit. And Jay's like, no, Wolverine, and then he starts making the snicked noise from the comic books. He's, you know, he's making the onomatopoeia noise of the claws coming out. It's a it's a very classic S like I think it's S N N K T and it's in like every X Men book. Sven all four. There you go, Sven. Right, so, Sven all. So Jay's like stabbing around, making Wolverine comic noises, and Brody has to lean back to T S and explain that he's imitating Wolverine's berserker attack, and T S is just kind of like too sad to deal with this bullshit. I mean, I am I am both of those at the same time. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I sit on both camps. Mm-hmm. Bipolar's fun, huh? <laughs> so, a few beats continue along from this point. It's a very packed-in movie. Again, because there's so much exposition and dialogue, you can fit like three or four movies of bullshit into this. It's surprising that they don't make him cut it down. This is why I can't do TV. It'd go forever. No, I think this would be... This would translate to a CW drama. Because they would space it out with enough filler that this would last 12 hours. But they would also get... And commercials. They would get bored and look off. And in these days, get high. Hmm. Now, this is back when, when Silent Bob was a fake stone. You can tell when the difference happens. Oh, yeah. In the filmography. But that's okay. That's neither here nor there. Um, so, we've got a few things that are moving on. Willem still can't see the sailboat and yells at a child. Uh, Brody and T.S. have their cookies and share the iconic super sperm discussion. Would you care to add your two cents to it? About how Lois couldn't have Superman's child. Well, no, because technically it would shoot through Do you remember when they did that in that Hancock movie, Sorry, Will Smith? It's in the deleted scene, but it was based on this discussion. Technically it would. Which means that the only woman that he could reproduce with is his cousin. Well, Wonder Woman. We don't know if that would work because she's Themyscira. If she's your cousin from another dimension, does it count? Well, that's who I was referring to. I was referring to Supergirl because she's a girl and that's gross. You can't fucking underage. I think you're allowed... Put it back. I think Superman's allowed to have sex with Power Girl, but he'll get, like, judged. It's not like a crime and it's not, like, that fucked up, but it's kind of, like... But is it because she's from another dimension? Yeah, because so she's not technically not his, his cousin. cousin, but it's his cousin. Mm, see? See, we've taken it deeper. This was supposed to just be about one sex. <laughs> but now I'm like, hmm. It's kind of like, he didn't... Hmm. He would get cancelled, but only until, like, the next character gets, like, cancel culture, and then they a, forget. If he wore so a condom, because then they could, like, turkey baster it, would you blow up, like, a balloon on the inside? Like, how fast is his jizz escaping? No, no, I'm more like, how how much of our, our yellow sun is getting into the baby? Babies aren't born with tans, you know what I'm saying? Like, could a baby even expand the uterus of a Kryptonian in this environment? Or would the child get, like, crushed because it just a, isn't strong enough nah, to, put, to nah, push them big see, Superman abs? because the baby is part Kryptonian, part human. But it's not getting the yellow sun rays. 
Which is what gives Superman his big ass strength over that, our character. But that means necessarily it wouldn't need it. Because it depends on which half of the DNA it got. You've seen a child. I've Did they come out two. tanned or pale? It depends. Fuck. What color did it go in as? A penis. Wow. Penis man. goes in, baby comes out. I've seen the documentaries. You're one step I've been to porn up. <laughs> I've seen the science. <laughs> I saw the science. So, yeah, they, they talk about super sperm. Again, technically, mm. I think the only. No. No. It's I'm, weird I'm because, like, so many timelines, including the main one, because now we've got um John Kent, you know, Jr., we've got super. Boy. Yeah. Superboy boy. Well, he's Superman, but he's like the, the bi one. What's it called? I, uh, look, the, the current Superman run, there is a child, and Injustice had a child. There's been a bunch of them since this. That's what I'm saying. I think technically she could. Does a Kryptonian even cr- have matching genitals to a human? If he cries, it doesn't come like. Doesn't shoot out of Ice him. skate now. How heavy are his tears? Opened a whole can of Alright, well, stay tuned for. Make sure to subscribe for our How Does the Bodily Functions of Superman Work episode. This is why I hate Superman. It's, it's too much. It's like ancient history. Everyone has their own storyline, but none of it lines up. It's like the pyramid. How did it get here? How does it work? What is it for? Well, with that, some other things that are going on. Brody sees Renee. And tries to talk to her, but she's sick of his immature attitude. Understandable. Then Jan and Bob try their first scheme, which is to just whoop LaForce with a sock full of quarters. Understandable. And then once he's gone, they can pull the support pin out of the middle of the stage so it'll fall down. Not smart. Yep. So Silent Bob hassles a kid who ends up tripping him up and he crashes into a change room um, with a character in it called Gwen. Uh, we don't meet her yet, though. Instead, we're going to meet Trish. Mm-hmm. It's weird that um, Gwen says fuck like three times before a character's even introduced to the film. Maybe that was how they got it through senses. Well, they just claimed she was an extra and didn't count? Yep. Okay. So, Renee Humphrey plays the role of Trish, a 15-year-old genius who is studying the male libido for her book deal. As you do. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't write down the company, but the one that's giving her the, you know, the money, the funding, is the is the book company that Elaine works for in Seinfeld. Hmm. Another little shared detail there. But the book's called Borgasm, the study of 90s male sexual prowess. So the boys find her near an escalator with a kid fucking around on it. That's important for later. Um, She's compiling data from her uh, quote-unquote experiment last night with 25-year-old, the guy from Fashionable Male. Oh. I don't know Yep. So after this conversation, the boys continue on their way to the comic shop and find a massive crowd around the store. Brody jumps the rope, demanding answers, but the nerd guys running the queue were warned about him. I mean, that's probably a good idea. Got a bad fist-fighting reputation with some of the comic book workers in his town. This immature boy. Do you feel uh, pulled out by this? Look, I don't think I wrote it down, but it was going to be my final thoughts anyway. He was the first um, person I'd ever seen who read comics and wasn't, like, a horrible dweeb, like the one from Big Bang Theory with a lisp. Mm-hmm. And he sort of gave me permissions. Like, you can read these books and not wear a fucking pocket protector. And I was like, oh, all right, cool, I'm on. But re-watching this movie in hindsight and having a lot more of a critical opinion of my shitty self, I'm noticing, like, all of his flaws are very relatable as well. So I shouldn't point out that you got into a fight with the people that run the local con. That's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> Every fucking thing this character does, I'm like, ah, fuck. Okay. Glad that we could all get here together. I could. We'll come to the conclusion. So, um, um, one... What the fuck have I written there? Oh, one of the characters in this queue are like, get out of here or I'll have you thrown out. And the fanboy with him, played by Walt Flanagan, brown noses by saying, tell him Steve Dave, which is an iconic quote throughout the rest of Skew and Smodco, which is the Kevin Smith podcast stuff. Tell him Steve Dave is the podcast that turned into comic book men. Ah. Uh-huh. I have the shirt somewhere. I didn't know that. That's what I'm saying. Like, it all ties together. With a pretty little book. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 
then Quinn couldn't be on comic book men because he has a um he's in Impractical Jokers, so it's a conflict of interest for him to be on the other other channel, so he's not allowed to partake. Oh, at any rate, wants to hang out with his buddies. Well, he co-hosted with them for years, <laughs> and when it came time, it's like we're doing we got a TV deal. He's like, oh, I'll just wait over here. So yeah, they're the older they're the older dudes on comic book men. That other guy is Bry from that show as well. Yeah, I know him. So, um, Brody almost gets into a fist fight with him. TS tries to break it up with a great example of the overly designed dialogue that I do enjoy but can't really talk about in these movies. Um, quote, Can you two testosterone seed in He-Man comic book fans finish up with this display of tough guy back and forth? And he says that in, like, half a second. I'm like, fuck me. They they spit hot fire, my friend. It's an Amy Sherman Palladino-esque Conversation. I don't know who that is, but my closest uh, comparison is Juno. Oh, I see him going Gilmore Girls. I don't fucking know. They drink more coffee than I do. They have to shit, then. I don't. Coffee makes you poop. So security comes to bust it up, but before anyone can get escorted out, the security have to rush off and help the kid that's caught in the escalator. (laughs) Bringing his uh, times fucking around in the escalator to fall. Probably none after that. So, T.S. gets the reason the story's packed out before Brody can fight anyone anymore. Uh, there is an author doing sign-in in there. A pre-MCU cameo, Stan Lee. The first official comic book cameo. It's the third, but the first probably to hit theatres. Yeah. I'll talk about it when he actually shows up in the film. Spoilers, he shows up in the film. <laughs> so at the moment, he's just a sign on a wall. Yay! Meanwhile, Jay and Silent Bob commence Operation Dark Knight. Remember when movies could reference both companies? Okay, I do remember this operation, the Dark Knight one. No. Damn, I thought it was iconic. Um, it's the one where where Silent Bob wears the helmet with the bat ears and the goggles. I know. And he know. opens up his cape. It's his, you know, his stupid jacket. jacket. And he has to, like, glide on a rope up over the top of the floors to grab the pin. Oh, yeah. And it plays a rip-off of the Tim Burton Batman theme. Yes. Yep, so it's I that one. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he glides over the top of LaForce but misses the pin, holding the stage together, and just goes straight through another wall into another change room that Gwen's in. Yeah. Yeah. So they scurry away from that, you know, because, like, um... Plan failed. Plan failed. Technically sexual assault. Technically, uh... We didn't know what tech... Damage. Sex- we didn't know what technically was it. We didn't know what sexual assault was yeah, back then. Well, look, at any rate, security's chasing after him. So they scurry off and hide in the food court where Brody is bummed that Stan Lee was at his mall and he didn't know about it. And T.S. is still bummed about his breakup. Um, I love the quote there. What kind of man are you? I'm talking comics and you bring up chicks and romance. Gross. Mm. So while bickering with T.S., he brings up his lesbian grandmother, which we learn in the Clerks Holiday Special, which I'm pretty sure is a tie-in comic. That Randall also has a lesbian grandma and a cousin Walter. So they're cousins. There you go. Remember Randall? I'm the loudmouth one? Yes, I know who Randall is. <laughs> oh my god. You're not as impressed at the family connections here? I mean, you lay out a story that doesn't allow for argument, so. I'm what stating, did you want I'm from stating me? facts. I'm like what Alex Jones pretended to be the whole time. You're spitting facts. Maybe don't reference him on a podcast because we might owe someone money. Fuck him, he sucks. Exactly. He's a he's the fake and the fraud. Um, uh, so yeah, this has an extended universe. That's cool. You can tell that comic book nerds wrote these movies, huh? Yeah, definitely. So Jansol and Bob come up to them. Sailor Falls is faster than Walt Flanagan's dog. Another reference. Uh, they decide that they can't do the assignment. It's all good, and the scene sort of changes when Brody sees Renee again with the fashionable male guy. Rude. Mm-hmm. TS runs interference, and Brody literally picks up Renee. And they hide in the elevator and sort of shout at each other. As you do. Mm-hmm. Um, she's moved on to this big wanker guy. Brody didn't indulge her in things that she wanted to do. He just dragged her comic shopping and dicking around. And there was things she wanted to do that wasn't, you know, his shit. All right. Interesting. Ask all the time what you want to do. You don't have opinions. You, you just wallflower your way through everything. It's all my fault. And yet I've been alive for longer than you. Yeah, you've given up at this point. You've lived long enough to be sad. Um, she then says he has no libido to it at, at all, and he shows her bedding it down right there in the elevator. Oh, pop. 
So you know in that scene how the like the walls are like lit, like fog glass stuff. Yeah. So what so what happens there is the elevator's glass in the mall they're filming in. So they had to put like white cover panels over all the glass and the and the fact that they're backlit is just the mall on the outside of those. And they're like, well, they can't fuck in this, so we got to change the set a little bit. Imagine trying to explaining that to people that that is their mall. Just don't go near that elevator for another ten minutes. I just I, I like to think canonically it's the same one from Chopping Mall. <laughs> nice abandoned mall, huh? So after they have sex, uh, she sort of treats it like a goodbye of sorts, and him and Tia sort of book it before Shannon can kick their asses. Um, when they stop and catch their breath, Tia points out. Uh, that Brody is as broken up about his breakup as he is with Brandy. He just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. Um, and then we finally meet Gwen. <laughs> Played by Joey Lauren Adams, who most people my age would know as the love interest from Big Daddy. I don't think I know that film. Alright, well, do you... She plays Alyssa in Chasing Amy. I haven't seen that one. She plays a girl in one episode of Mr. Pickles. The demonic dog adult swim cartoon. I like pickles. You know what? Close enough. So she tells T.S. that Brandy is here and over by the stage. He races off, only to find her dad and is told the business. You know, the typical, my daughter's too good for you, you suck sort of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says all that stuff. You're like, you're just a, you're a dead shit. My daughter has a future. One day I'm going to be blue with a mohawk. Check that out. <laughs> so Gwen then says some meaningful shit to Brody before heading off to do the same with Brandy on behalf of T.S., she says that he's a good catch and all that. So the three characters are split up. Uh, let's see. Brody gets found by Shannon and is dragged into the service halls of the mall while Brody gets beat up. I think about how Shannon is Ben Affleck, and I guess this means this daredevil also got a hallway scene. Ha ha! Uh, but he doesn't, like, save a kid and throw a microwave at a guy. He tells a dude that he's going to fuck his ex-girlfriend in the ass because he can. I mean... I feel like that wouldn't go down well, but at the same time. Hmm. So after that, Brody gets found by Janson and Bobble, beat up and hurt. Uh, but he doesn't want to admit anything. Uh, instead, he says that he told the Easter Bunny that the other mall had a better Easter Bunny. Oh, she's in stripper role. Everyone's in stripper role, right? She's also in. You, you should have picked it, hmm? Veronica Mars. Why would I have picked that? I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, but you know that I know what that is. You know what? She's the one... <gasps> She's in Hercules. She's the one with the weird squeaky voice who is kind of like... If Jennifer you, Tilly? I was going to say, if you aren't a, have a super crush on Jennifer Tilly, you might get it mixed up. Um. So yeah, he's, he told them that Easter Bunny was the one who beat him up. So Jan and Bob go fuck that guy up. <laughs> they can beat up the bunny. Nice. Yep. Meanwhile, Gwen has that talk with Brandy about how T.S. Ain't, ain't a bad egg. And as the scene goes, Brody and T.S. are told by one of the dating show assistants, who is played by Scott Mosher, you won't know, but he's like one of the directors of the film, um, that Brandy's dad wants to talk to them. And T.S. is like, wants to fuck with him, but doesn't want to make things any worse. Yeah. So Brody tells him about the stink palm. That sounds very familiar. So what you do is you get all that ass sweat on your hand and you shake hands with the guy. So he has a stinky hand. Oh, yes. Why is why your butt smell that bad? We've just been walking around the mall all day with butt sweat. But the mall's air-conditioned. Hmm. I don't know how hot it is in how New Jersey. How much your butt sweat? They've been running around. He had sex earlier. He's doing all sorts of adventures. I suppose. Hmm. We don't know how bad Shannon beat him off. We don't know how desperate things became. Oh, I know. So yeah, you get you get that butt sweat, and then you shake hands with him. So now he's got a stinky hand. Okay. All right, that's petty. You also probably give him a stink eye. <laughs> yeah. So TS won't do that, but Brody's you know low enough of a man, he'll do it. So when TS starts the conversation with uh, Spanning, uh, Brody rocks up, shakes his hand real hard, touches his class ring, offers him the fabled chocolate covered pretzels. Remember this? I like chocolate. So now he's eating melted chocolate off his ass hand, and. <laughs> He then reveals his little plan, okay? He doesn't like these two shithead kids. He has LaFour's drag them out of the mall and plant drugs on them. I mean, going a bit far, but... Get them out of here. They're annoying. So as they're dragged out, Brody calls out for Renee to get Janice and Bob. Luckily, she's in one of the stores that they're getting dragged past. She hears it, and off she goes. 
So outside the door, Lafors finds them drugs and lets Brody explain his plan to TS because for some reason he's also a silent character, much like Bob. Security. Mm-hmm. Uh, the day is then saved by Jay and Silent Bob doing Star Trek references and assault with a weapon. Nice. Now for those playing at home, Neil before Zod is Superman. I'm not fucking dumb. But the Vulcan nerve pinches that Silent Bob does are the Star Trek references. They, they don't care about making it like one clean comic universe. I like that they tap every motherfucking thing though. Because everything's owned by a bigger company at this point. You just can't get away with it. If you're owned by Disney, you can't really make the DC jokes. Yeah. Except for in Batwoman when they started referencing Captain America. Which was kind of more tragic because it's like, oh, this was... No one even cared to check that. Yeah. <laughs> this is so far down. Like, not a single person working for, under, or caring about Disney even noticed. They were like, we'll, we'll let them have this one. They, they need it. I'm pretty sure me watching it for the podcast was 50% of that show's viewer base, I swear to God. So at any rate, um, the guards go after Jan Silent Bob, and they escape using uh, Bob's uh, 1989 Batman utility belt, which makes me want to point out that Silent Bob's whole damn character is an 89 Bat reference. Hmm. Did you know this? Yeah. How come? What do you mean, how come? How is he a reference? God damn it. So, in that movie, Joker has a goon named Bob, who does not have any lines of dialogue in the film. I didn't know that. Kevin Smith thought that was cool. <laughs> and when he wanted to cameo in his Clerks movie that he was making, he Silent Bob essentially became a henchman for his jet. So, yeah. there you go. You know, I saw a dude with them, I thought. You know Henchman Bob had an action figure? No, I did not. Canon made a lot of action figures, and they were all repaints of, like, comic book versions of characters. Mm. Their Joker didn't look like, um, like the Joker in that movie. Jack- I don't think I watched... I should be better at, at knowing fucking Jack Nicholson's name. It fucks me up every time. I, it even fucked me up in the car yesterday. He literally sleeps above us. Jack Nicholson. Yep. Yeah, the big painting. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so... So the boys go and they hide in the local flea market. Ain't that something? They have a lot bigger thing in the States than they are here. Yeah, I miss shitty antique stores and, like, tip sort of junk stores. There used to be a bunch where I lived, but... No, it's just like if Victoria Street Market was indoors. Yeah. So, um... So T.S. is... they're, They're both in there. T.S. tries on a clerk's hat and Brody remembers punching a grandmother. Um... As you can imagine, T.S. is still very upset about Brandy, and nothing seems to be solved now that her dad is trying to plant drugs on him. So Brody takes him for some advice from Ivanka. Do you remember her? Topless psychic. I mean, if you're going to have a job. Yep, so Brody makes him pay for it, of course. Uh, Ivanka then uses her quote-unquote third eye, being her magical extra nipple, <laughs> I was going to ask a question, but I'm going to leave it. Are you going to do a butthole joke? No, I was going to ask if you think that Mean Girls, the I can predict the weather, um, has something to do with this. Know, maybe. Um, yeah, so she tells the boys that they must combine their efforts and confrontation is the key. She also proves herself pretty effectively by knowing that they're both having girl trouble. And predicting the month Brody's birthday's in. Yeah, because all of those things are hard to do. It's enough to, to give T.S. some... He, he gets struck with this information and he's ready to go win his girl back. Um, Ivanka then eats the fake nipple, so I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I'm assuming it's a pepperoni. Probably. Alright, so shit's on. Kind of building towards a finale here. Back at Eden Prairie Center, T.S. is inspired to conquer all for love, and Brody's still sort of scared of admitting to it, let alone going for it. Once inside, T.S. goes off to plot things, and Brody runs the surveillance at the bra store. As you do. He's just looking at him. Um, while just staring through a window, a man asks him, They look happy, don't they? And he responds, What, the bras? And this old guy's talking about the couple inside the store. Brody looks at him and then shouts... He shouts out, holy shit, like twice. And in the shot, it seems to have actually scared the man a little, like that second layout one. There's a little bit of a jump. It was prepared, but not a lot. 
It was Stan Lee. That's right. One of the first times he would cameo in film. He cameoed as one of the jury members in Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Do you remember the rough, the, the Rafe, the Lou Ferrigno Hulk TV series? Somewhat. In a, in a movie length special, Trial of the Hulk, he cameos as a jury member in that. And okay. he voices himself in the Spider Man animated series in 1994. So this is his first movie live action thing. It's also his first thing as Stan Lee. No, no, he played Stanley in the Spider-Man animated series because he falls out of his dimension and learns that Stanley writes him. And I'm like, he barely wrote Spider-Man ever. But that's me being cynical. Jack do, Kirby, baby. I do Marvel like method you, disproves Stanley. I do like that you have great issues with all comic book creators. Because <laughs> you also don't like um, Bob Kane. I wouldn't qualify him as a creator to even put him in this conversation. Hence the reason I'm bringing him up. Stanley only gets a pass because he stole Stripperella from a stripper named Stripperella. <laughs> so, from <laughs> from there, Brody asks him a weird amount of superhero penis questions, and Stan keeps pointing out people in love. Brody asks if, like, what's the deal? He asks Brody if he had someone special. And he's like, no, nah, we broke up. Um, she wanted to be a, me to be a typical boyfriend. I said I was too... You know, I was too in my own world, she says. Stan says, oh, I know the feeling, and goes into a story about he had a lover that felt the same way, and eventually they too broke up, and it ate away at him forever. He claims Dr. Doom hiding his mangled form beneath armor was based on how he felt inside, um, and the Hulk being a mess of emotions was the same. Everything sort of came back to the one that got away. Um, after the conversation, he goes to leave, a contemplating Brody who stops and asks him, did you really mean that much to you? And Stan says, I would give it all up, all of it, for just one more day with her. One more day, becoming a bastardized thing for Stan Lee characters in 2004 Spider-Man. That's the story arc where the de- where um, Aunt May gets assassinated and a demon makes a deal with Spider-Man to bring Aunt May back, but he has to retcon his own wedding and MJ can't remember them getting married. Why the, de- why the devil needed that to happen? Spider-Man forgets MJ's a lot. Well, that's what the the homecoming thing was based on. No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, every time Peter Parker grows up a little bit, gets a job, gets married, gets tied down in any sort of way, the next uh, creative team gets on, gets pissed, puts him back in high school. That man spends more time in high school than I do. And it's a fucking job. That's tiring. Yeah. Um, Another bit of trivia here that I heard through, like, all the old Smodco podcasts is that Stan performed that scene with his wife on set. She was visiting with him. And after he talks about this one that got away, like, the the shot finishes, he goes over to her and she's like, so who the hell's that woman you miss so much, huh? And he has to explain to her that he didn't write this thing. He writes everything else, but not this one. So, yeah. Hey, Mr. Silent Paul, I know you don't talk a lot, but can you, but can you explain to my wife... That I don't think about another woman during... <laughs> so, yeah. Um, meanwhile, TS has found Jay and Silent Bob and started putting the plan into action. Jay goes off to get the dating show contestants too high to participate. Silent Bob starts rigging up a VCR to the stage's, you know, display systems. And TS pays Stan the bribe to make him say all that bullshit to convince Brody to join in. Nice. I love that detail. Despite the comic book he claims the soliloquy is from isn't even real. Uh, Let's see. Two of the contestants pass out with a single blunt shared between them. Um, And Brandy's dad is now sick, presumably from eating the arse pretzels. I don't think it would do what happens to him, but okay. (laughs) He might have a stomach. Problem anyway. Might have been unrelated Chinese food incident. We don't know. Unrelated I'm just telling you he's sick. Intolerance. That's right. Brody knocks out the assistant guy, but that's sort of time up. As the third contestant, Gil Hicks, cousin of Dante Hicks from Clerks, shows up, they don't have time to beat him up, so he's coming with them. Yeah. Because they are recording this thing live. What's- what a mistake. You know shows like The Dating Game? Yep. The one serial killer Rodney Alcala was on? Oh, yes. Yep. So, truth or date is one of those. Like you said earlier, a woman comes up, asks some questions, played by Brandy, obviously. Contestants number one is TS. Contestant number two, Brody. 
And, you know, that's to the surprise of Renee and Shannon in the crowd watching. Um, and, you know, Gil Hicks being contestant number three. So the whole scene is wonderful. Brandy D asks questions. TS answers them bitterly about being dumped while Brody makes weird, he makes a weird ass of himself. And Gil answers like he's actually trying only to get yelled at by Brody and TS for just like being a loser. Who would go on a dating game together today? They accidentally trick him into being a fatphobic gay homophobe. It's easy. So nothing I can say will cover it, but I love Brody here. Like, he makes dog noises during sex. He admits to having sex in public that day, and I love the look on Shannon's face as he pieces that together. <laughs> uh, and he tells another story about his cousin Walt jerking off on a plane. All very good stuff. Uh, Brandy works it all out pretty quick, especially when Brody can't answer what comic book character he would like to be, because... Obviously, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> so, T.S. explains to the audience that they were supposed to go to Florida together and she didn't because her dad said so. And she explains that she's replacing a dead girl and he got mad at her about it. Um, and instead of working things out, he's been goofing around in the mall all day with his buddy. The buddy, being Brody, who also played Buddy in Incredibles, um, steps, out, steps in to point out that T.S. has done nothing but pine and, like, mope about her all day. And when this chance to publicly do something about it arose, he took it with both hands. And it's time he stopped dicking around and do what he is supposed to do. And the crowd sort of agrees, and T.S. proposes. Yeah. Brandy comes around the partition thingy, and they kiss, and the crowd cheers, and her dad throws up. Yeah. So, somewhere between the planted drugs and the sabotages, and Jay cracking the head of a security with a bat, <laughs> um, the cops are pulling up and making their way inside the mall. I mean, the shenanigans have shenaniganed. Mm-hmm. While that's going on, and T.S. and Brandy live happily ever after, Brody takes the mic and points at Shannon and Renee, and he says, you've got something of mine. And Shannon's like, what? And he responds, not you, man. Renee, you have my heart. Isn't that gay? She responds, I love the retard. (laughs) Because this is 1995, baby. You're allowed to say those things. Oh, yeah. As Shannon starts climbing the chairs to beat his ass, um, the the -the behind-the-scenes moments are all starting to come together, too because they sent Trish to go get her tape with Shannon. And she's given it to Silent Bob, who's been trying to reach for it from, like, his, like, Mission Impossible spot with the VCR, this whole game show. Um, that's the secret weapon against Shannon. Trish is... Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've, we've also got Willem. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Yep. So he's given up on seeing the sailboat, and he's carrying on it and just having an emotional breakdown. As you do. And he kicks the stage's scaffolding so hard the tape bounces, and Silent Bob catches it. He plays the tape, and the crowd all witness the sex tape. The cops are breaking the thing up, and Brody announces that the man in the video is 25 and the girl is only 15. Oh, yeah. As the cops arrest Shannon for statutory rape, um, it's amazing that he got film roles after this, um, he claims that she told him he was th- she was 36, which is such a weird, specific, definite lie. I don't know, I got told today that I should retire next year. Well, you are you are naturally an old person. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so he gets taken away, but the cops let Brody punch him once before they go. I mean, they have values still. Yep. Oh, this is back when police had any respect. <laughs> they weren't just fucking horrible people, always just trying to find you and being awesome. From, from what I've heard, it's animals and children. Is that who they find? No, no, that's, that's who they, like... You, you fuck with either of those two groups and they're like, you're done for, dude. That's No, that's prisoners doing that to other prisoners. The police suck, just in general. But do the police officers stop it from happening? I think that's prison guards. That's a different job. <laughs> we can let this dead air roll for a little bit longer, but I'm just going to say, like, you know, the ACAB thing, and then we're going to move on. Um, so Brody then offers to introduce Renee to his mum. Isn't that nice? And the TV executives who thought the dating show was lazy and a boring idea like Brody. And the movie pretty much wraps up there and then. But, in old film fashion, we get a little bit of a... End cap. Yeah, to tell you what happened. Alright, so, as either viewer gets wheezed, um, we get endings for the characters. Brody becomes the host of The Tonight Show and still lives with his parents which might have gotten retconned during Janice and Bob Strike Back, depending on how you perceive time and space. Yeah. He might have got the comic store as a side hustle, or a hobby, or he might have finished doing the time show. 
We might have to look into uh, Sailor Bob. We have to overthink this a little. Alright, so Renee becomes his band leader, and his mother liked it. Isn't that good? T.S. and Brandy get married when Jaws pops out of the water. No They're like way. on a little pontoon on the lake. That must be sad that that ride's gone now. I'm not going to lie. Like when we went on it, the nostalgia for this movie was probably the best part of it. <laughs> um, so Trish, her book comes out. It's a huge success. It does 72 weeks in the bestseller list. And it's getting a movie made. And I like that LaFors is her like security detail. Like, when it shows her doing the book signing and he's there with it. Um, so Shannon gets raped in prison. Willem gets to see the sailboat. Oh, yeah. I like that he reads the subtitle in front of him and goes, yeah? <laughs> he's, like, so excited for his future. Um, and as for Jay, Silent Bob, and Suzanne the monkey, well, that's a story for another time. Willem the monkey. I, the monkey's in um, Strike Back. Yeah, I know. That's, like... Movies from now. I don't know. She got uh, chasing Amy and Dogma, and I forget when Clocks Two happens either before or after. At any rate, monkeys later. So what do you think? But monkey is called back. Yeah, it's good. You should watch it. Yeah, definitely. But watch it like twice because the first time you're gonna miss stuff. It gets blurry on you. Look, it's very fast paced. And there's a lot of lines that you have to follow. It's been a long time since I've come back because, like, you know, you got Tusk and everything sort of went weird. And I've got the Jansan Bob reboot on my shelf, but I'm afraid to be disappointed by it. Yeah. But in turn, that also made me scared to go back and watch the other ones. In case they weren't as good as you Well, I watched them as, like, a dumb kid. Yeah. So, if I go back, it might all be rose-tinted glass, you know, and I'm... And I'm always worried about that. We, we had a rewatch, well, probably five years ago now. And I remember you just being like, we're not watching Chasing Amy. I'm not watching that movie again. Oh, well, that one's sad. I don't like sad comedies because they're not fucking comedies. Bojack Horseman. <laughs> um, but yeah. But yeah and I've, you know, you come back, you take some notes. It's hard to take notes of it because there's too much going on. But it's still good. Yeah. And Clerks 3 is like out but nowhere I can find the fucking thing because I'm Australian in a rural community where the cinema only plays like half the shit. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. So, you recommend this one? You think it's good? Yeah. I think it's good, too. And I'm excited. Like, fear of some of these ones aside, Twilight of the Mall Rats is in pre-production, and I don't give a fuck. I will risk it all. I will see that. Yeah. Can't, they, look, I can't wait to see... Well, but you can stand alone on the pretty wall, too. Yeah. Well, like I said, Strike Back was fun as a standalone movie. They're all kind of... You just... It, it rewards you for seeing the other ones because of those little details. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, um, that leads us to the homework question. Mostly for you, because this is my answer. What, like... What movies have influenced your person? That's a very long list. I, I just assumed it was Peter Pan and that was it. Maybe Hook. I've never seen Hulk, I don't know. But everyone your age likes the the boy with the funny hair. Rufio. Yeah, Rufus. Not Rufus. <laughs> He's not a naked mole, right? Don't be true. Well, what other ones are there? I assumed that was in your list. I don't know if that's accurate or not. You can confirm one deny. I don't know, because I'm very, like, swayed by media. You're like those people that watched American Psycho recently and are now all chads. No. But, like, I don't know. I've had somewhat of a complicated life and history, and so I take a lot of lessons from the media I ingest. I think I'm too delicate and nice with my toys and collectibles because of Toy Story. Maybe. (laughs) But that makes you the old man, not the kid. I'm not rebuilding them and putting sweet muscles into Woody. I'm just trying not to get them all fucked up because of all the ones that Sid's house looked upset. They literally had a character called Hooker. It was a fishing rod with legs, Kyle. I mean, it's accurate. Check out them games. Oh, yeah, I think Mallrats is probably a huge one on that list, but... 
Yeah, I think that's a more than a 30 second thing about question. It's a hard one, and now it's yours. <laughs> okay. Check back next week for when I come up with an answer. Are you actually going to do homework on this one? I, I think I'm going to have to. Alright, great. Well, that pretty much brings us to the end of Mallrats, the movie. <laughs> the movie, the sequel. There it is. And on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me, Producer Kyle. Hi! Thank you for joining me, listener. I have been your host, uh, Toby DePaula. And class dismissed. Tommy Oliver didn't get a eulogy because, you know, Team Jason forever. Red Ranger, baby. Speak for yourself. Kimberly's the only true ranger. Whoa, dude.